folks all around the league, there are quite a few interesting developing storylines, you know, whether it's teams that have performed uh, above expectations, maybe squads that have really struggled out of the gates, maybe some very interesting players who have taken fascinating career arcs and have only really shown development in the past year or so. We'll take a look at all of these storylines to track heading into 2023 and also maybe assemble a bit of a wish list for the Jets so that you know, come Christmas time, maybe Winnipeg finds itself a few gifts under the proverbial NHL tree. All coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On, the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, looking ahead, obviously, you know, this season has been an interesting one. We're about, what, a little over a quarter of the way through for most teams. And, you know, we're starting to get a better sense of which teams are the real deal, which ones might be pretenders, and maybe, you know, where the Jets kind of fall in the midst of all these teams. Now, Winnipeg itself is obviously still a bit of an enigma. I don't think we have a full picture of how good or bad this team is yet. It'll probably take, you know, an, another 20 to 20 to 30 games before we can really start to draw serious conclusions around the, the Bones era. I think the only thing that I can really say for certain is that I'm having fun watching it. And I hope that y'all are, too, because it's way more entertaining than it's been in previous years. Right. But looking at the rest of the league, I think there are some really big surprises. Uh, there are two of them out in the Eastern Conference that I can't say I was really expecting to see such massive turnarounds. The first is the Boston Bruins, right? The Bruins are uh, among the league's true, true elites. I mean, they're not they're There's like a lot of good teams this year, but I don't know how many I would say are like far and away like early cup favorites. But the Bruins definitely fit this category. They're 21-3-1. They sit atop the NHL, and they've been pretty much blitzing every single opponent that they come across. And what's really interesting is that when you look at their scoring you know, lineups and stuff and where the points are coming from, obviously Pasternak leads the pack and is just like a, a point and a half per game or something crazy like that. But then you start filtering down the list. You see Bergeron, Krejci, um, Hampus Lindholm, a number of other players, many of them veteran, some of the younger guys, maybe DeBrusque, getting in on the action as well. There's like a really good stratification of of all of these different talent tiers and everyone is chipping in with a pretty good level of production, right? So this team seemingly has depth and matchup ability to face almost any team. And, you know, they've really relied on an in interesting mix of, of like veteran experience plus some of their younger core players. And they did all of this without Charlie McAvoy for half of the first 20 or so games. McAvoy has only been back for like 12 games this season, which when you really think about it is pretty insane. And this team is is so good. 
you know, everyone I've heard that's watched and watched them and, and seen how crisp their puck movement is and how good defensively they are is just really come away impressed. I mean, I've watched a couple of games of theirs. I thought that they had um, excellent counters. Their in zone offensive cycling is brilliant. The way that they can get the puck high to low and diagonally continually stretches defensive units. So, a really dominant squad, clearly one of the best in the league. And they would have been alone had the New Jersey Devils not existed somehow. Uh, this team, I, I I can't believe they're this good. I, I knew that they would probably have a couple of seasons where we saw you know steps towards being a much better team, maybe even a really good one. But again, they're the other class of the NHL. They're almost right there, lockstep with the Bruins, dominating and expected goals, controlling play, generally having pretty good defensive structure. Uh, you know, the the stuff that used to happen with their goaltending doesn't appear to be as big of an issue right now, especially when they're just controlling play further up the ice. So this Devils team, extremely similar record, extremely similar goal differential, uh, a little bit more on the younger side. I mean, you look at that team and it's it's less coming from like, you know, strictly veteran contributions, whereas the Bruins are kind of the old old guys of the group, right? They have lots of players who are uh, in their late 20s or early 30s, maybe even mid to late 30s, if you're looking at guys like Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand. So that team has a lot of age, but it's it's very productive age. And like the Devils are, are sort of on the younger side and really a burgeoning power in the East. So very interesting dichotomy, and I can't really say that I expected them uh, both to ascend to these heights. The Devils, for me, I thought would eventually hit this stage, but I think, you know, the Bruins, I, I didn't really expect them to uh, rebound this quickly and really look as good as they did under uh, Bruce Cassidy. But instead, they've not only looked as good as the Cassidy squads, they've exceeded those expectations. It seems like Jim Montgomery has fit this team like a glove. And yeah, the results really do speak for themselves. The Devils, you know, they've still uh, got even more room for improvement somehow. But as it is, it looks like Andrew Burnett's uh, acquisition as part of the coaching staff has been a massive, massive success. I know some people have said, well, you know, maybe it's Lindy Ruff. And I'm like, I think we've seen what Ruff's teams look like. This to me is Brunette coming from the Panthers. You know, he preaches a very high octane offense, um, a lot of really great scoring chance creations, lots of high to low puck, puck movement and, and really rapid counters. This is stuff that we saw in different forms, but, you know, similar philosophies with uh, with the Panthers. So very interesting team, one to watch for the postseason. I don't know that the dirt, the Devils themselves really expected to be this good. Like I, I think that they probably have surprised themselves a little bit with how quickly they've ascended. But you've got two powerhouse squads, and I, I would say the best teams in the league. I don't know if even the Knights or the Avs really touch them. I mean, the Bruins just butcher the Avs. And yeah, you know, Colorado also is dealing with a bit of an injury crisis, so hard to get a real feel for just how... Uh, even these teams might be at full strength, but as it is right now, no one else is really coming close to either the Devils or the Bruins. There are still further storylines to talk about for the upcoming season, um, the rest of the year, you know, for, for 2023 as we roll past the holiday season, and uh, some fascinating players who maybe like their teams have risen to heights that I don't think anyone really expected. We'll talk about those players and how they've really shaped uh, their their career trajectories in extremely crazy ways in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at BetOnline.net. 
BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. They've got sports coverage from basketball to football, soccer, ice hockey, sports uh, or uh, horse racing, esports. They've even got automotive racing and European football for those of you interested in following leagues abroad. Whatever you're into, they've got you covered, and they've also got Vegas casino games if you'd like to take a bit of a break and step away from the sports side of things. If you are wanting something that, that's a little bit going beyond just betting, they've also got great sports podcasts and articles featuring all of the in-depth analysis to help you stay connected to your favorite sport no matter what. If you're ready to get started, it really couldn't be easier. You can go ahead and register for a free account right now at betonline.net on your laptop or mobile device because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're talking a a little bit about some of the very fascinating storylines of the 2022-23 season. Obviously, we're about to switch over calendar years into 23, and I thought that this would be a good time to take stock of which teams are really doing well, and maybe some uh, teams that haven't really exceeded or met expectations, and then also talk about some very fascinating players who have had meteoric rises in a relatively short amount of time. Before we go any further, though, I do want to make, uh, recommend that you make your second listen of the day, Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, Locked On Sports Today helps you go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with our local experts providing you coverage and analysis that only Locked On can give you. Be sure to follow and subscribe to Locked On Sports Today on all of your favorite podcasts and YouTube. As always, it is free to subscribe We really appreciate your support and hope that you stay tuned to Locked On Sports today. Now, taking a look uh, at at some of the other teams, maybe it's time to talk about some of the biggest disappointments. Uh, And I think for me, the the Blue Jackets would probably be up there. Uh, The Jackets, for one reason or another, just don't really seem to have it all together. This season, I thought would be a step forward for them, but instead it's been like massive steps back. Johnny Goudreau joining the team really didn't seem to make much of a difference. He's been you know, their top offensive performer, right? But the rest of the team just doesn't have any sort of offensive punch. Patrick Liney coming back from injury is obviously a huge help, but you probably can't rely on him to stay healthy. Jack Roslovic has basically been a non-factor. It just seems like this team is mired in a huge disastrous season. And at this point, it might be time for the entire front office to be considered for potentially being replaced. I think Jarmo Kekalainen has done about as much as he can with the squad but I really don't know if this Blue Jackets team is making the sort of progress that it really needs to. And it might be time for a change in leadership and direction to try and and do something else, because this team certainly has talent to be competitive, probably not at like a super great playoffs level, maybe like at best a wildcard spot, but, you know, certainly better than being almost dead last in the NHL. When you're kind of worse than the Yotes or the Hawks, you might be doing something wrong. I would also say I'm a bit surprised by the Ottawa Senators. Uh, They had a huge offseason. And look, stuff, uh, especially when you make big changes, does take time to really adjust and and gain chemistry between new line mates and players, you know, who haven't really worked together. They may not be gelling yet, but I'm still a little bit shocked that with all the improvements, the Sens are last in the Atlantic. And they're under 500 by a pretty decent margin, so... The Sens team, I, I feel like they're probably desperate to turn things around. They spent a lot of money, invested a lot of resources, 
and did a lot to put this roster in a much better position. And so far, they're not really getting the results to match it. So I don't know if that means they're going to fire the head coach at some point, if maybe they start making some trades, maybe for a defender or something. Whatever the situation is, this the Sens team is definitely spiraling in the wrong direction. And from the sounds of it, you know, from what I've seen on social media and stuff, the fan base is not really accepting excuses this time. They feel that this squad should be taking that next step up, should be hitting that new level. And so far, it really hasn't. Now, on the more positive side of things, uh, a, a team that's kind of gone through a bit of a similar renaissance, but, you know, is still trying to find its way has been the Buffalo Sabres. This team is very much one of those transition squads. They didn't have quite as an extreme of an offseason as the Senators did, but they are amongst the best. Actually, I think it might be the top goal scoring outfit in the entire NHL. Unfortunately for them, they've also conceded amongst the most goals in the league. Uh, you know, their goal differential is a plus nine, and they've already scored 105 goals in just 26 games. Now, what is interesting about the Sabres is that they have had a player who has hit a different level in his career that I don't think anyone ever expected. And that player is Tage Thompson. If you've been living under a rock somehow, this dude has just gone from a guy who maybe a season or two ago looked like a fringe NHLer into an absolute monster and unstoppable force and one of the elite franchise centers around the league. And it, it's, it's kind of one of those rises where you don't really see it coming. For all of the projections, all of the scouting tools, every single test and analysis that you could possibly run on, you know, Tage's previous production, his translation of his skill sets, what the projections look like, nothing ever prepared anyone for what he's done. Uh, the, the, the change in his game style and the matching of his IQ and spatial awareness to his actual body frame, which is huge, it has produced results that I don't think anyone could have ever predicted. He's been a tremendous success. And when we saw that contract extension earlier with him, a lot of us were like, why? You know, that that one season that he had last year where he was like scoring, what, like 30 or 40 goals. A lot, I think a lot of us were wondering if it was really sustainable. But not only is Tage doing an even better job this year, he's just really an extraordinarily dynamic and fun player to watch. Uh, the way that he creates space for himself is just it's next level. I mean, he looks kind of like... Um, a Pettichon or or like a McDavid or something in the way that he can just sort of carve between opponents. It's a very rare rise where you have a player who is already a late bloomer as it is, but he's got this massive frame and somehow his brain grows to fit it, right? The way that he thinks about the game, the way that he controls his body, it's like he's a totally different player from where he was a few years ago. So a fascinating story. He's one to very much watch potentially for like the heart race, the Rocket Richard, pretty much any sort of title that you want to assign to him for scoring and stuff like that. I think he's in the competition and in the running for all of these awards. So we'll see where he finishes at the end of the year, but what a monster season for Tage Thompson and perhaps a, a sign of things to come for the Buffalo Sabres in the next two to three years. Now amidst all of this, you know, there's a lot of stories and a lot of interesting storylines for other teams, but the Jets I think have had probably one of the most underrated seasons so far, a squad that we're still getting a bit of a handle on, right? And in the meantime, I thought I would talk a little bit about a potential Christmas wish list, especially as the holidays are rolling up and stuff that I would like the Jets to acquire before the trade deadline. I think that they can do this. I think that they have the assets to make it happen. And I think now would be the time to get the jump on the market, especially with so many teams needing to uh, supplement what's been a bit of a decline in goaltending 
with potentially more forwards to uh, try and counteract that. You know, if you if you just outscore your opponents, you don't have to worry about the man in net right. Uh, and obviously, goalies are in short supply, especially good ones. But goal scorers this year, they seem to be uh, pretty plentiful. So we'll take a look at which guys might be on my shopping list in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Jets. We're just wrapping up real quick with some thoughts on stuff that I might have for my Christmas wish list for the Jets. Obviously, Winnipeg is in a pretty decent spot so far with the team. They have climbed into the top spot in the Central Division. They are generally firing on a number of cylinders. They just beat the Florida Panthers, kind of sent Paul Maurice packing with a, uh, a bit of a rough send-off, but you know, the Jets still have work to do, and I think that is something that fans should probably keep in mind. This team has already had a fantastic start, but, you know, at some point you probably expect a little bit of the honeymoon phase to sort of fade out and for the Jets to kind of face some adversity. And I think that stuff is actually good for the team. You know, having great winning streaks and dominating opponents is fantastic. But when you're a team that needs to learn how to work around struggles and and find ways to improvise offense and, you know, kind of get past some of the mental hurdles. I don't think that struggling and, and going through some of the stuff is necessarily the worst outcome, especially for a team that's growing and bonding the way this Jets team is. Now, on the shopping list, I think one thing I have to have is, is a top-end goal scorer somewhere. And this year, there are a lot of candidates from teams like Vancouver, uh, maybe even from the San Jose Sharks. I think I've started to focus in on one particular player that I think the Jets should really be after, but this guy is probably going to be one of the most requested names around the entire league. And I've talked about him in a previous podcast, but I think Andre Kuzmenko for me would have to be one of my most requested uh, options. Now the, the challenge with him is that he is a left wing and the jets are actually doing okay on the left side. I think it's the right side. That's the bigger issue, but either way, Kuzmenko just get him on the team. I don't really care what it takes. I think that he is one of the biggest game changers that could possibly be brought in for the jets. His offensive positioning is outstanding, especially on the power play. I've seen him hover around the goal crease and somehow just slip behind defenders completely undetected. He taps in and redirects goals regularly. I think that's a skill that the Jets lack. His release is incredible. His skating is very dynamic, and he knows how to get into dangerous spots. And he's just such a fantastic player. I think a truly dynamic offensive threat. Um, The problem with him is that he is due for a new contract. I mean, he was only signing a one-year deal for 950000 So as you can imagine, I think almost every team, especially a contender, is going to be looking at that cap hit with the production that he's had and throwing everything they have at the trade deadline. But if I'm the Jets, I'm thinking real long and hard about this kid. This dude is a beast. He's been scoring left and right. He's been one of Vancouver's most uh, promising players, I would say. And he's at an age where if you want to give him a big contract extension, you could. I don't know if that's the best play for the Jets, but it's certainly an option, right? So something to keep in mind. Um, Horvat, I think, would also be pretty high up there for me. Uh, Bo obviously has some issues with his game, especially defensively. But, you know, with how the Jets are and what they're, what they're lacking in terms of goal-scoring prowess, you're going to have to just accept it and take that. What he brings in offense will very much overwhelm uh, whatever negative deficiencies he might have. So I'm, I'm excited for the prospect of potentially acquiring one of these players, but I, I actually wonder if the Jets are even going to chase fish that big. You know, Winnipeg in the past has kind of had that mindset of, we like our guys, we don't want to mess with the mojo of the team. And in the reality, it's because they don't want to pay either the salaries or the assets in an acquisition. So something to keep in mind. 
Um, I think one other thing that I sort of have on my wish list is more about maybe making space for some of your younger prospects at some point. The defense has a bit of a log jam, right? And I think, you know, log jam or no, the Jets are going to have to sort out how to make this blue line as mobile and active as possible. Give Bones the tool sets that he can use to make this team fun and more aggressive than it already is. You know, we've already seen a number of the defenders on the team change the way that they play, but some of the results are a little bit of a mixed bag, right? We have some prospects and kids who might be able to longer term, you know, fill those gaps, but I'd like to see them get a shot to do so this year. The Jets power play could definitely benefit from like some more uh, dynamic power play quarterbacks. Heinola is obviously up there. Chisholm is another player who could really do this stuff. So a lot of options for Winnipeg. Um, but, you know, I think finding a goal scorer would be the first option and then maybe clearing some some cap space or a roster spot on the back end would also do the Jets a world of good. But I'd be curious to know what you want uh, the NHL Santa to drop underneath your Christmas tree or hockey stick. Let me know in the YouTube comments below or at my social medias on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, featuring the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and our famous take of the day. It's available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And again, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!